God is good all the time, amen? Yep. And all the time? All the time, God is good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, praise you, Jesus. That was powerful. Yep. Brother Charlie, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just we just lift up the body of Christ to you right now. And we just thank you, Lord, for your strength, your anointing, your favor, your wisdom and guidance. And we just thank you, Lord, that that good things are coming. Yes. Thank you for times of refreshing, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for for the righteous standing up and standing strong and standing up for you, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, that, that we see that you have great plans and that revival is coming to the body of Christ. We just thank you for forgiving us, Lord, as a nation for our sins against you and that you will cause our hearts to turn back to you and, uh, and to come to know that this is a nation founded on your principles, on documents inspired by your love and your truth and your freedoms, Lord. Not, not those of men. We thank you, Lord, that we have wonderful things ahead in Jesus' name. Thank you for using me today, Lord. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for your teaching, for your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, as Brother Charlie mentioned last week, we were talking about spiritual strongholds and, and all these demonic things that the enemy comes against us with. You know, too much of the church is, uh, is just carnal, you know, and uh, that's not a, you know, everything that's carnal just means natural. You know, that it doesn't always mean sinful. You know. There's just sometimes the the world just gets in the way. The enemy is always competing for our time and attention and affection and so forth and so on. But we're all familiar with a lot of with natural things. We we know about war. For example, we, we, we know what a civil war is. We know what a world war is, unfortunately. We know about nuclear war. But the fact is that as believers, we are in the midst of a universal spiritual war between the army of God and His people, you and me, and the enemy of our souls, which is Satan and his demonic forces. It's an organized kingdom. We talked about that last week, and they're out to destroy us. Ignoring the fact that there is a spiritual war raging doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It just guarantees you will lose. Yeah? Yeah. He wants you, the enemy wants you unaware. He wants you in denial. If he can, if he can convince you he doesn't even exist, which is what you see out there a lot. Oh, there's no real hell, and there's you know, we all just go into the light, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, this isn't. Uh, we don't serve the God of Oprah Winfrey, okay? 
This is not universalism. This is not Christian science, which isn't Christian or science. This is, this is the truth of the Word of God written by the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to be strong in our understanding and in the truth of God's Word even more than ever before. It's a weird time in which we live. I I just say it's weird. (laughs) Just weird. And what it really is, is, is the enemy is stomping his feet because he knows his time is short. But he has built up strongholds or fortresses, the Bible calls it, of unbelief, uh, destructive worldviews, bias and prejudices in the minds of men and women of the world. And it's our responsibility as Christians to tear down these mental strongholds and any thought or lofty idea that exalts itself above the, the truth of the Word of God, the mind of Christ, the Bible calls it. Amen. Amen. We need to help people to be free of these things, including starting with ourselves. Amen. So that they're free. They need to have a true biblical new covenant worldview. And that will help. And then we, we are strengthened as we are as we are renewed in our minds by the washing of the water of the Word of God, and everything, our thoughts, come under or into the obedience of Christ. Amen. That means just in agreement with the Word of God. You hear, oh, this one's, you're out of the Spirit, you're in the flesh, you're, what's, what's that mean? Well, you're already in the Spirit if you're born again, but it's a choice to walk after the Spirit or after the flesh. You know, as a Christian, nothing compelling us to sin anymore, but we still can with the best of them, right? So what what we need to do is make sure that we are strengthened in the Word and keep it ever before us so that we will not be deceived by the tactics and the tricks and the lies and the schemes of the enemy. Amen. I've known so many people that have gone on to be with the Lord. And they never, you know, they may have been saved, but they never experienced the benefits of their inheritance in Christ while they were here because they they were never discipled properly. They never enjoyed that renewed mind that sets us free to serve the living God and to live a life of prosperity. And I don't just mean money in the bank. That's just one of the byproducts of true prosperity. Amen. We talked about the fact that what we're doing is just ministering or administering the victory that Jesus has already provided through the cross. We're not trying to obtain a victory. We're just celebrating, triumphing, triumph. What is that word? Triumph. What is a triumphing, triumphing (laughs) over... We are in the parade. We are in the celebratory parade with the Lord, having already won the victory over all of His enemies. Amen? 
And the way that we do that is to learn to properly use the weapons that God has given us to do that. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and... It's primarily the place where we find out about the weapons that God has given us to do the warfare in a spiritual realm, which takes us out of our comfort zone. We don't just put somebody in their place anymore or, or beat them down <laughs> with, our, with, a, with a, our fists or our feet or... <laughs> Knives and guns and all that, you know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural. And this is what tells us about it. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in the 10th verse, I'll just read this to you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. That's something very important to realize right off the bat. This is the strength of His might, not our own. Put on, again, there's that relationship. There's, there's that two-sided relationship. It's not just up to the sovereignty of God because it's telling us to do something, right? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We talked about this recently. That's Satan and his demons and his demonic army. Verse 13. Therefore, therefore, remember, find out what it's there for. You see a therefore in the Bible. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which you, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts or arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Therefore, he says, therefore, take up the armor of God. What is that therefore? He said, so that on that evil day, We can stand against the wiles of the devil, right? I don't think that that evil day is talking about the end times. Although the, there are terrible things that will come. But I believe in the life of every Christian there are evil days that come. We all struggle through the situations and circumstances of life. 
the rejection, the pain, the loss, the hardships. No one is immune to it. I don't care what lot in life. I've talked to people in every standing in this world. And you might be surprised to know that. I mean, it's, it's obvious. You see people that are living in the trash dumps and stuff like that. You, you feel that pain. You see that. And you, you know you don't want that. But the ones that you sometimes wish you could be, the ones in the mansions, uh, and I, I talk to a lot of these people and visit with them. And, you know, sometimes there's, there's no one further from God. So careful what you wish for. That evil day. We experienced some evil days and we need to be prepared. Without the word of God, without the armor of God, we have no defense. Notice something about this armor. First of all, it's God's armor. He doesn't expect you to do this in your own strength, in your own power, in your own might, in your own ability. God gives you his own personal armor. That is very comforting to me. Put on the armor of God. Notice that when you list all of these things. And you have it all on. As listed here. It protects every part of the believer. From the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. Everything except the back. He's talking about, he's using these items of, these descriptive items from, taken from the, probably one of the greatest armies that ever was in the world, which was the Roman legions. And he used, in that day, people were very aware of the Roman army. And so he used some of their, their things to describe this protection. The Roman soldier was probably the most well-equipped and highly trained soldier in the world at the time. The first thing that he talked about, and I may just touch on one or two things today, if you don't mind. He talks about a belt or a tunic. Without, without trying to be sarcastic, they're too funny. You have to remember what they, the men wore in those days, for starters. They, they wore a tunic or a, a dress, basically. <laughs> Usually maybe just to their knees or so, but it was a very loose-fitting garment. So if the soldier didn't take this belt or girdle and cinch all of these loose flaps and folds up together then you can imagine Mr. Randy as a soldier he wouldn't be able to make very good use of any of the other equipment of his arms or legs everything would get in the way so they had to do that first primary you might say foundational fundamental to everything else being useful to this soldier the girdle of truth. You say, well, I know what that is. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
And that's a fact. Without Jesus, this conversation isn't even for you anyway. (laughs) But I think it's more than that for the Christian. Because if you've really put on Christ, then like we were talking about this morning, you're becoming more and more Christ-like in your life. And I think that truth and veracity and integrity is something that is lacking in the men and women of God. We need to learn to live our daily lives beyond reproach. If Randy said it, if Tamara said it, if Sammy said it, if Charlie said it, hey, you can take it to the bank. You see? That's how it should be. And I think that's missing in the body of Christ in large part. Too many man-pleasers out there. And it's a... This is one of the biggest traps. The fear of man brings a snare, the Bible says. And when you worried about too much about what man thinks... Instead of running everything through the filter of this word right here. It's going to trip you up. It will cause you problems in this life. You might win the favor of men. But what good is it going to do you if you you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Isn't that what Jesus said? So, I think it's very important to kind of see that in your Christian life. We're not talking about Jesus always using, and in this case it's Paul, but natural things to explain spiritual truths. That's what a parable is, or natural things to explain something else. But when you, when you have to fight and move quickly and, and do that sort of... Thing, it's important that everything be cinched down and wrapped up tight. We need to walk in the truth of God's Word. We need to be beyond reproach. We need to have integrity. We need to tell the truth. As simple as that. We need to be frank. And sometimes that's hard. It can come off as, as harsh sometimes. And we, we want to make sure we always balance everything with love, of course. But... But, you know, one day Peter Peter said, Jesus said to Peter, he says, hey, who do you say I am? And he says, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. He said, and Jesus praised him. And he said, this came from God. And praise the Lord, Simon, Bar Jonas. And then a minute later, Jesus is telling them all the things that are going to happen to him. How he's going to have to be crucified and all this. And Peter, Peter's feeling good about himself, right? Jesus is just bragging on me and I'm hearing from God and all this. And Peter, and he's telling them all how he's going to die. And, and Peter says, oh no, far be it from you, Lord. We'll, we'll, we're going to stand up and fight. We'll take care of you. I'm paraphrasing. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You talk about deflated. Oh, man. 
did Jesus hate Peter? All of a sudden, he loved him, and it was, was Jesus wasn't split personality. No, everyone can be used by Satan, and he will generally try it through some of the people that love you the most, through their words. And you have to be prepared to understand the difference in the truth of God's word and the blessings and the promises of God and the things that are spoken over you and something that the enemy is trying to use a person because he has no authority unless a person give it to him. And he, if he can get them to curse you, he will. Doesn't mean they're the devil. He didn't. He wasn't talking to Peter and calling him Satan. He knew that it was Satan trying to use Peter and he was talking to that demonic force. You see? That's, that's real, folks. That's happening every day in our lives more than you know. We just let things slide. Oh, they didn't mean it. Nope. Or if you call them on it, oh, I didn't mean nothing. You hear that way too often. You may not mean it. And I believe God is fighting for you. And I believe Jesus is interceding for you. And I believe that your motive really does matter. So there's some protection. But you're still speaking demonic things. Or allowing them to be spoken over you. And when that happens you have to put a stop to it. You have to counter that. There no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue rising up against you. You shall condemn. Right? So that's a real thing. It's not just a... It's not just lingo and that's that's part of the problem with the belt of truth people you know we have to as christians we need to learn to get away from just uh just sounding religious religious cliches and oh god will help you and just going on about our business well he just showed you the problem you help if you can and then not everything that that is good is god he's not telling you to fix everything that's why you need to be listening, like Charlie and Michelle said last week. They aren't doing anything. They're not spending anything. They're not going anywhere until they hear from God. Well, listen, if you're not keeping your hearing sharpened up, you're not staying in communication and relationship, you know, the, the Lord should be your best friend. And He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. But listen... Sometimes that relationship can get so one-sided and you shouldn't let it. He's always talking, is what I mean. The one-sided part I'm talking about is you ignoring Him, not Him ignoring you. You ever been in a relationship where you've just been ignored and you felt like you were the only one giving it? That's not fun. It's not fun for Him either. And it's really because He loves you so much. He knows how much you need Him. You need to be closer to Him. You know, I use... uh, And I'm going to get off into something. But on the night of His betrayal, before Peter betrayed the Lord, you notice from the garden, as they arrested Jesus and, and, and went and all these mock trials throughout the night and everything that they did, but it says Peter followed at a distance. You think? Every word in this book is there for a reason. That distance 
is what allowed space for the devil to come in. You see? But we need to get rid of all the religious cliches, hypocrisy, and all the other things that sound good and righteous and holy, but lead people to think that we're just, you know, when you offer them to go to church with you and they've been watching you for a while and they're like, no thanks, i got enough problems of my own. So you might want to check, do a checkup. Okay. I don't think that's any of you. But James tells us, resist the devil. First he says, submit yourselves to God. People read the scripture before and after, right? Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's a promise there. But this is the part we have to play in this spiritual war. We're called to resist the devil. And the promise is he will fight. We just need to be honest you know, there was a guy that the minister went to see him and he he was on his sick bed and very elderly and you know they sort of called for this minister to go and, and he talked to him and he asked him if he knew the Lord and he goes well I think so and I ain't been to church in a while and all this and that and he goes well you do you, do you pray he goes no I never really learned how to do any of that he said, you see that chair out there? He said, I know it's probably wrong, he said, but I just pretend he's sitting there and I talk to him for a while every day. Can I tell you that's really good? I had someone, a dear, dear friend, send me a text this morning saying, for somebody on someone else's behalf, they weren't feeling well, would you pray for them? And I don't know if this is how you do it, but I'm just asking, can you? Can I tell you that's exactly how you do it? God sees that. And that, that love, that attempt to reach out and maybe even in a little bit of an awkward setting, but just say, I, I, I know... I know where to find that help. I don't exactly know how to go about it, but I'm, can I tell you, that's how the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years got healed. <laughs> she didn't know him either, but she just knew if she could just touch his hem of his garment and she broke every law and religious practice of the day just to get to him. And the Lord said, whew, that's awesome. It's awesome. The next thing he talked about was the breastplate of righteousness. Remember that part? Protects the heart. Whew. We need that protected. <laughs> Naturally. But even more so, spiritually. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart. Above all else. For it determines the course of your life. I wrote that down out of the New Living Translation. Because I like that. There's one that I've never really read before. But 
I found that it was called the Good News Translation. It said, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Same scripture. Guard your heart. You know what some people think? Some Christians even? Yep, I do. That SOB hurt me and he'll never get a chance to do that again. I'm guarding my heart. That is not guarding your heart. (laughs) That's sinful for starters. That's a whole other message about forgiveness and trust. Different things. Unforgiveness is not an option for the Christian. Forgive and forgive quickly. Jesus said, when you pray, believe you have what you pray. When you pray, and you shall have it. And then he says, ah, if you have anything in your heart against your brother, go and, go and go take care of that first. So God will hear your prayer. You think? That's how important it is. Guard your heart from bitterness, unforgiveness, disappointment, you see? Hurt. Don't allow those things to consume you, to identify you. Let's look at what Paul's meaning is about righteousness. Because he revisits this a couple of times in Scripture. Is that okay? In 1 Thessalonians, verse 5, I mean chapter 5, verse 8. I'll tell you from the King James Version because when when things get squishy, I always go back to the King James. Even though they didn't speak English, I love the translators of King James because when they didn't understand something or it didn't sound like it should be, they didn't didn't change it. They just put it like it was. (laughs) 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, the King James, it says, But let us who are of the day or of the light... That means people who are born again. Be sober, clear-minded, clear-headed. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. So the same man that the Holy Spirit used to write the breastplate of righteousness now says the breastplate of faith and love. Mm Mm-hmm. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So first of all, it's not a righteousness by works, remember? Righteous, we we no longer have the law as a means to obtain righteousness or right standing with God, but but it's faith now. And then he mentions it again in Philippians chapter 3 verse 9. And this is the English Standard Version that I use most often for whatever reason, this season in my life. He says, and be found in Philippians 3, 9, I'm sorry. And be found in him, in Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own. This is Paul's prayer for himself. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Remember, all of your righteous acts apart from God are just as filthy rags. You you can't be good enough on your own without Jesus, right? That's what he's saying. I don't want to be found thinking that I'm good enough even after all the good things, all the ministry, all the work I've done. Because, you know, Paul said all this great revelation that I have and everything. He wasn't unaware and that wasn't boasting. He knew 
He knew the dent he had put into this new thing in the body of Christ. He had made a mark. Amen. And he knew it. He'd have to be silly not to. But he says, I don't want to get off into thinking that... I don't want to get off into believing my own press like Satan did and think that I'm something great apart from the Lord. The life that I live is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives me, lives in me. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me now and gives life to this mortal body. He says, I don't want to be found, I want to be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So here we are again. If you're dependent on your own righteousness, Satan can find a lot of weak points in that breastplate, in that armor, you see, that he can penetrate with his flaming darts or arrows, with his attacks, you see, and and damage your heart. And he wants to. That's why it's important to remember it's God's armor, not your own. The breastplate of righteousness. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have to tell yourself this. You have to believe it. You have to receive it. You have to know it and walk in that victory. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Remember it says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. We have to be convinced by the Scripture and accept it by faith that we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the only breastplate that will adequately protect our hearts. And it only comes through faith. And faith only works through love. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Faith comes from the Word, but it only worketh by love. Galatians 5, 6. That's what that tells us. You know, look at... I was talking about Peter before. I think Tavon always tells me, just... Draw me a picture. In other words, after a while, all I hear wah, 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 wah. <laughs> She's one of those that's for sure a picture's worth a thousand words, you know. But she'll tell me too. She listens to these messages diligently. Right when she gets home from work tonight, she'll come, she'll get my phone, my AirPods, and she'll sit down on the couch with her notepad and she listens to my message. And I'll hear her over there just like she's sitting here. Yeah, amen. Praise God. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and I always look over there later. I'll be walking by. And she, like last week, she said, two thumbs up. I said, oh, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Luke chapter 22, verse 32. Luke twenty two thirty two. 
try to wrap this up here. Let you guys beat the Baptist today, maybe to the drive through. <laughs> I don't know if we can go anywhere. I guess you can. Thank God for Texas, hey? You know, <laughs> I'm glad. My mother always said the only thing I'm more proud of than being an American is being a Texan. <laughs> I got some friends that live in Chicago. Believe me, you hear what I hear, you be thankful too. <laughs> These people need to get wise and start voting for people that love God all over this nation and this world. Luke chapter 22, verse 32. I think that's where we're going to find this. Yeah, Jesus prayed for Peter on the about his the fact that he was going to deny him, you know. Peter, Jesus already knew it. And listen what he says. I'll go back to verse 31, of course. Simon, Simon, he's talking to Peter. Behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that that he wouldn't that he wouldn't be able to bother you? No. He didn't say that. I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Isn't that interesting? He didn't pray for his protection or a hedge around him. That he wouldn't be bothered or touched. Matter of fact, Jesus, Peter wasn't aware of what, how bad it really was. What he was going to do. He probably wouldn't have been able to withstand it. I always say, the Lord just gives us one step at a time a lot of time. You know, you go, to go from here to Dallas. You don't tell you, you're going to have a flat and, and uh, get carjacked on the way or whatever. If he did, we wouldn't maybe go. <laughs> Too much to bear. I prayed that your faith wouldn't fail. And look at this, how confident Jesus said. What, you know when he says believe you have what you pray for when you pray and you shall have it look how confident Jesus is I prayed he said I asked God and he didn't say I'm waiting to find out if he's going to answer it or grant it he said I prayed that your faith wouldn't fail now, now when you've turned back strengthen your brothers in other words he already knew that prayer was going to be granted but he said I pray that your, your faith doesn't fail he was going to deny the Lord three times. Can you imagine? I mean, that, does that terrify you just thinking of doing that? It scares the dickens out of me. Every time I see Jesus uh, warning them about uh, bad-mouthing the Holy Ghost, I, I'm like, you know, I can't tell you how many times I'll say something or I'll, I'll give someone one praise or this or that, and I'm like, Lord, you know... If I didn't come out right, I, you know, I'd admit no disrespect. <laughs> I love you and I'm just thankful and sometimes I, I mess it all up. You know, that's the kind of talks I have with him. But I, I'm not doing that because I'm scared he's going to zap me. But I just don't want to, I don't want to dishonor him. I love him. I don't want to hurt him. You know, I can't imagine denying him three times. And I'm just like, Lord, oh, please. You know, and if it ever comes down to where they just come and gather us all up and do what they did to the early Christians, you know, they 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 handled it 
with joy. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they just they were burned at the stake a lot of times. They were fed a sport to wild animals in the Colosseum and they were volunteering. I just, I just pray that my faith doesn't fail. You know, I remember going before my surgery and I just, that was my prayer. Once I realized it wasn't going to be supernatural like I've been believing for, I just said, Lord, just let me go through it well and let me, let, let me honor you through this and let there be supernatural testimonies afterwards and wonderful things happen in the midst of all this. And he granted that prayer and it was wonderful. I'm thankful, you know. That I just I wasn't a coward, you know? Not against anybody. Not saying I'm just saying that was the kind of prayer I had. But he he knew what he was going to do, and he and the circumstances, Jesus couldn't pray that this wouldn't happen. It was necessary that Peter did deny him. You see? How strong is was the Lord though? You know? Even in the garden. I mean, people say, Oh yeah, he, you know, he he even broke down a little. Yeah, okay. Think of what he knew was coming. Pray that your faith not fail. You see, what was the point of that? No matter what he did, no matter what he did, No matter what actions he took, what sin he committed, as long as his faith in Jesus, he didn't stop believing on Jesus, everything could be restored. You see? Praise God that should be encouraging. That's why I love Peter so much. We like to laugh about Peter and stuff because he's always sticking his foot in his mouth and stuff. But man, believe me. It didn't end that way with Peter. It was wonderful. We have to have an active, working breastplate of righteousness. Faith working through love to keep us free and unhindered. We need the, the garment, I mean the the tunic, the belt, the, 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 the girdle, keeping us so we're free to move quickly and to, to do all the things necessary to use all the equipment that God has given us. I'm not going to get to any more of the equipment today because I'm going to let you go. My favorite passage of Scripture. John 21. The Lord... This is a very personal thing for me with the Lord. And everybody has personal things in the Scripture because this Word is alive and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It's not just... uh, it say something to you about your situation. It say something totally different to you about your situation. It's, it's a help in the time of need because it's a rhema, you see. When it's alive, when it's Holy Ghost powered, you see. It's not just logos, not just the written word, but it's empowered by the, the help of the Holy Spirit. This is after Jesus had risen from the dead. 
And Peter had gone fishing. He was discouraged. Disgusted in himself, you see. And maybe a little disillusioned over the whole thing. And he went just back to what he knew. I'm just going fishing, man. And they were out fishing all night and didn't catch anything. Sort of like his story and Jesus started out, wasn't it? There's somebody standing on the shore. He asked him, Hey, y'all caught anything? Nope. He said, Throw your net over on the right side of the boat. They're about a hundred yards off the shore. And then they got a another huge load of fish. Like the first time when they met, he gave them a, a boat sinking load of fish, right? 153 fish they pulled in this time. And he was up there. He had some fish already cooking on the coals there on the beach. I call it breakfast on the beach. What a special time with the Lord. And John said, that's the Lord. I'm paraphrasing. I'm sorry. I didn't even look at my Bible, but I know this story so well. I hope you'll forgive me. I think I'm pretty close. But when John said that, Peter put his clothes on. Because <laughs> he was stripped down from fishing, you know. He put on his outer tunic and he dove in the water and he swam. He swam to shore. Couldn't wait to get to close that gap, that space between them. You see? He never allowed a space again, you see? Three times he denied knowing the Lord. And as they sit there, Jesus asked him three times, Do you love me? And he gave him an opportunity to tell him, Yes, he did, three times. Jesus was always about undoing the curse, you see. The first miracle Moses ever did, Moses represented the law. So strict and rigid, you see. First miracle he ever did was turn the water into blood, you see. First thing Jesus ever did was turn the water into wine. From death to life. From sadness to gladness, you see. Yes, Lord, I love you. He made Peter cry because he asked him the third time. He realized what he was doing. Feed my sheep. Tend to my sheep. Feed my sheep. So every time he told him, when Peter said, I love you, he said, then this is what I do. You love me because you love me. I want you to take care of all those that I love that are like you. All those other sheep. They need me just like you do. Take care of them. And he did. You know. People used to lie in the streets with the sick people. Just hoping that Peter's shadow might fall on them and heal them. History says he was crucified. 
right alongside his wife, upside down, because he asked them to do that. He didn't want to be crucified. He didn't think he was worthy to be crucified in the same manner as his Lord. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6, it says that, I'm going to paraphrase again, save you time. Love is as strong as death. Love is as strong as death. Does that make an impact on you at all? How strong is death? Death is irresistible in the sense that it's for one, once for man to die and then the judgment. Right? There's only two people that ever got out of this world alive and they're coming back. I think they're the two prophets you read about in Revelation. See, God was, would be unjust to make them die twice. So he has Elijah and Enoch and they're going to come back and minister I believe but they will taste death and it's not going to be very nice either <laughs> they have that to look forward to yeah. anyway that's just me In the, but I believe that's what God is so just that that's, they still have to taste death don't they because they never did but it's the one thing that people can't resist that's what I mean by it. it's not irresistible because we want it so badly but this body will experience a fatality one day. Now the good news for you is that you've escaped from death into life. You are with Christ on the cross and so you are a spirit with a soul and a body. This You're just going to trade vehicles. be like jumping out of a jalopy into a Mercedes or something. Something better I can't even describe. We have no way of understanding or comprehending all the wonderful things he has in store for those who love him. But love is strong as death and that breastplate of faith and love make sure you put it on. Here's what the last thing and I'll close here. Just thinking about love. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And that what we call the great love chapter. I was thinking about this the other day, and I was on my elliptical in the living room, and uh, and I look up and and uh, and uh, about eight or ten feet in front of me as I as I go along on my elliptical is this passage of scripture on our wall there framed in, you know, and so the Lord just sort of drove it home for me. I say, yes, Lord, I will share that. The scriptures we're so familiar with, sometimes we forget to revisit. This is what Paul says about love. 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Father, thank you for your love.
thank you for your armor. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us to use it in your strength, your armor and your strength. Thank you that you have already obtained the victory through the cross, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you are willing to do that for us. That you love us, that you still intercede for us. That you are working on our behalf even as we sleep, Lord. We can always expect good things from you. We have hope in Christ. A confident expectation of good from you. We know that all the promises you have made in your word for us are yes and amen in Christ. Help us to strengthen, be strengthened in our faith, Lord. And to give our feet and lips to speak and to do so that we don't end up like so many religious folks. James said, faith without works is dead. Help us to live out our faith and to speak our faith in all boldness and love. And thank you, Lord, that we are born for such a time as this. And that we are here to be a part of this age in which we live. And that you've entrusted us with these great spiritual concerns. Lord, we cast all our cares upon you. Knowing that you care for us. That you love everyone. It's not your will that any should perish. But that everyone should come to the knowledge of the truth of the Son of God and repent and be saved. Help us to be a part of that, Lord. Just use us. Take what's left of our lives and do something great for the kingdom of God. And if that means just saving one soul, Lord, you said that's more valuable than this whole world. So we'll take it. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.